following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, Andrew and I take a look back on the life and career of Boomer Esiason, who has the most passing yards and passing touchdowns of all left-handed quarterbacks in NFL history. Thanks much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Happy Friday, my friend, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. Still relishing over my victory from head-to-head trivia. You going cheated. Up. You knew I was at work, and you were like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I gave you a shit question for number 10 and just hand you the game. I gave you a couple that I thought I handed you the game there. Well, I don't win things uh, often on my own show, so everything's difficult. I noticed this. I noticed this. Retro fantasy, you're like the... Like the New York Jets of uh, of retro fantasy, you got that one. You don't brag about it, but you hold on to that one. <laughs> hey, Boyd actually asked me. I think I told you this um, a while ago, but he thinks that I throw the games. But I'm just that bad. Apparently, I'm just that bad. No, I. You definitely don't throw them. It looks like you do. yeah i'm terrible um so we're continuing on with left-handed quarterback month which is uh has been a fun one so far last week we had an open discussion uh discussing the uh the handful pun intended um of left-handed quarterbacks in the national football league and uh we decided that uh yeah we get a couple we got to talk about three actually break down their their uh, careers and such. Uh, but Boomer Esiason was a very important one uh, for, you know, us to, to discuss. Um, he was a fa- I, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I can't say he's a favorite of yours, but obviously um, somebody you hold, you hold high in regard. Yeah, he was, Oh, geez, Boomer. He's always, he was like that first guy that I saw. Like I said, my first Bills game ever was the 1988 preseason game, Bills Bengals. And even though I didn't appreciate it, which I did because somebody told me, like I said, the Bengals had an actual Bengal tiger that they used to have at in Cincinnati. And I wanted to see it in Buffalo. So I spent most of the game looking for that and then probably falling asleep. <laughs> but Boomer was like one of those top, kind of top tier quarterbacks at that point. He was one of the starting quarterbacks in the first Super Bowl that I could ever remember watching. So he's always just kind of been there. He did some wonderful underwear commercials. And my mother always made a point of pointing out how nice his butt was in the commercials. I think they were Hanes or something. Uh, your mother was a saint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he uh, kind of a pretty decent player in Tecmo Super Bowl as well. I just, it was funny because I just realized I completed the season with the Bengals at that point when I was like, let's go with Boomer. 
And the other reason why I did it too is because, well, all my other friends were, but well, he wasn't my, he was uh, my friend's younger brother. And while everybody else at this time and, you know, the 90s was so fixated on Marino or if you're in Western New York, Kelly or Steve Young or Elway, Elway, Montana, all these guys. This guy was like Boomer Esiason is my favorite quarterback to the point where his mother used to actually every time he was when he when he was traded or he signed with a new team, he's only been with two other teams other than the Bengals, but she would actually change the border in his room from like a <laughs> helmet to a jets helmet to a Cardinals helmet. And That's everything cool. Else. So he is one of those guys and just never realized that he was left-handed and another fun, you know, quarterback club guy from back in the day, getting the dominoes cards and watch him in the quarterback challenge. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of when I first remember here. I, I used to get him, and I might still do this today. Um, but I used to get him mixed up with Phil Sims. I, I don't know why. They came on around the same time. They kind of look the same. I mean, am I am I mistaken in that? They kind no, of look the same. Okay. I used to do it too. Oh, and also Boomer, I think, was is actually one of my first starting lineups I ever got too. Oh, no kidding. My mother was like. Because my mother was like, oh, I like his butt. They, my kids need a boomer size and starting lineup. That's a cool way to get a boomer size and starting lineup. <laughs> and it was also Phil Sims in there, too. But no, I, it's, I think it's very easily to get them mixed up. All right. So I don't feel so bad now. But, um, but yeah, he had a pretty solid career, uh, boomer size. And did I know we're going to get through his whole draft and, uh, you know, life story and, and such? But he did take the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Right? Yes. Okay. You were, looking at, me, <laughs> you were looking at me like you gave me that look where I, I, I didn't know if I was like 1988. 80, 80, 80, 80, yeah. Um, Super Bowl 23. Well, 23. And, uh, you know, big inspiration behind the K gun offense, all that fun stuff, yep. uh, which is, you know, it's a little deep, deep cut there. But, um, but yeah, find a way to stay relevant. You know, I, nobody's ever going to call him one of the greatest players to never win a ring. He's never going to get like that, but he's, he's, you know, he's, he's in that upper echelon. Uh, If I hit a tier quarter, he would probably be like a tier three all time. In my opinion. I I would. Yeah. That's probably where he would be in mind. I think he's one of those guys that you could, like we said, I believe we talked about it last episode. We record so much. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You could kind of make an argument for him to be a Hall of Famer, but is he really a Hall of Famer? One of those type of guys. Maybe a very good player, decent quarterback, but he's not. If you grew up in the 80s to the early 90s, I think Boomer probably, as long as you're not a Browns fan or a Steelers fan or an Oilers fan, kind of holds a special place in your heart. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he's got a fun name too, like Boomer. Yeah, Boomer. Well, that's I mean, a, I know, I know it's not his real name, yeah. but still, that's pretty cool. I couldn't believe it was the first time I found out that his first name wasn't Boomer. Yeah, it's Norman. Yeah, I'd want to be called Boomer too. I think it was in one of the. He used to do commercials. That's the crazy thing that's coming back to me while talking about this, 
is this guy was like the Madison Avenue guy doing commercials for like underwear and other stuff. And I think there was one where his mother called him Norman. So that's, that's what I can remember, but let's get into it and I'll get into how we got his nickname actually too. So Norman Julius Esiason was born on April 17th, 1961 in East Islip, New York. So he's a New York boy. Yeah, uh, that's on the island, I think. I think that's like Long Island ways. Oh, I knew, so, I knew somebody from West Islip. So, and they oh, were in Long Island. So Long Island area. Should I ask my neighbor? He's from Long Island. Suffolk County. So yeah, that's definitely, uh, that's Long Island. And he actually got his nickname before he was even born because of him constantly kicking in his mother's womb. So they just nicknamed him Boomer. (laughs) That was one of the first things I wanted to look up and it was right there. And I'm like, wow. Because the Bengals, if you think about it, they had a fun team back in 88 with Boomer and Icky. It's an Icky Boomer. I think that's what you guys call me sometimes. Uh, I didn't say it. It was it was one of the other uh, what, it's one of the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the other guys. I'm gonna put Boomer Size and I'm like, oh, we already did number seven. So <laughs> but he played his football at the University of Maryland for head coaches Jerry Claiborne and Bobby Ross and offensive coordinator Ralph Flengen. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, Maryland was the only college to offer him a scholarship. At Maryland, he set 17 school records and completed 461 uh, passes out of 850 for 6,169 yards and 42 touchdowns with 17 INTs. It was a different time. He was a two-time honorable mention All-American in 1982 and 1983. His final game, he threw a third-quarter touchdown pass to lead a comeback victory over number three, North Carolina, to seal the ACC title. He graduated with a BA in 1984 and received the Distinguished Alumnus Award in 1999. So that's pretty much his college career. And he has, thanks to Steve Young, another left-handed quarterback, the probably... Uh, notion of being the best quarterback out of the 84 draft because Steve Young <laughs> was like, yeah, that helped him out there. And also Ernie, of course, he said that's one of the reasons why he wanted to get so many picks for Elway to draft Marino because he knew the only quarterback really coming out that year was Boomer Esiason. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he didn't really have a great quarterback class. So I get, not- the, I, I get the history confused all the time. So Young essentially like just avoided the NFL draft period, or was he drafted after Esiason? He No, he was supplemental in that. That's right. You uh, have said that before. The dispersal. He did have almost a contract signed with the Bengals, but then all of a sudden he got that ridiculous contract from Los Angeles and 
he went with them. Gotcha. So Esiason was looked at by the USFL too, if I'm yes. not mistaken. I mean, obviously everybody was kind of. Um, yeah. Yeah, he. It seems to be like the territorial rights uh, were owned by the Washington Federals because he played at Maryland. But also the other funny thing is too, like I said about. Baltimore needing a quarterback and him being the best quarterback coming out in 84. Thanks to Steve young. He did not want to go to Baltimore because once again, he played his football in Maryland or go to Indianapolis. Sorry, go to Indianapolis because he played his football in Maryland and he thought it was this disgrace that they actually left Baltimore. Yeah, that was a big, uh, a big deal. I mean, we've heard of even Johnny Unitas didn't, like to associate himself with the Colts when they went to Indianapolis, it was that bad. And, uh, you know, it's hard to just hear that now, but when you watch like documentaries and such, you know, hearing from the people of Baltimore, that was a, that was super disrespectful. Like it was disrespectful to the people of Baltimore. Like I got, you know, I got some funny looks when I was in Baltimore this past February, wearing a Colts hat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not a good idea. It's uh, it's, it's real out there. They, they do not like the Colts out there at all. They don't even have like United's statue in front of Baltimore stadium. The Raven stadium, MT bank stadium doesn't have anything Colts on it. Really? Nothing. It's just a plain Jersey. I mean, it's all bronze of course, but even like how nothing, not a single horseshoe to be found. Jeez. I love that documentary, the band that was the band. Out. Yep. That's there's a really good one. I, I did like that. But yeah, he was pretty, pretty dead set against all that, but he was picked in the second round 38th overall. And he ended up, he's, and he ended up getting his first pro start October 7th, 1984 against the Houston Oilers. And he led the Bengals to a 13-3 win over to Houston and scored the game's only touchdown on a three-yard run. He also he took over for Ken Anderson, a full-time starting quarterback, on September 22nd, 1985, in a loss to the San Diego Chargers and future Hall of Famer Dan Fouts. Was that, so how about, I mean, you, know, you were a little, but I mean, in your research... <laughs> Um, and your research, was it like this big, was it really like a big quarterback controversy? Was this something Anderson was like, I mean, obviously guys don't want to lose their job to somebody younger, but was it, it, did it ever hit like the heights of Montana young or some of these other QB controversies we have? I don't think so because Ken Anderson was like 36 years old at this point. Right. So he was probably just like, yeah, it's fine. You never really hear anything bad about Ken Anderson either. No, you no. I think at this point, that's why they drafted him in 84. He's 35 years old. You got to start looking for somebody new. Right. And he played he played through the 70s. So how how well intact is that guy? Yeah. That's that's what I gotta look at. But I didn't see I've never heard of anything with that or anything of that nature being a big quarterback controversy. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like it would happen pretty seamlessly. 
Yeah, I think it was one of those things where you draft a quarterback. He's well, how it used to be draft quarterback, they sit, they learn, you put them in. Right. And that's kind of how it goes from there. So he takes over. Um in 1985, he loses to the Chargers 41. I'm sorry, 44 to 41. Uh, he, he was the single caller of one of the most potent offenses in the night in the uh, 1980s, like we said. And that was kind of the start of that no, no huddle offense that the Bills get so much credit for, but the Bengals actually started it. Yeah, I was a big proponent of Sam Weish, and, and obviously they used it pretty dang well. Um, it got him too, right? It got him actually past Buffalo in 1988, uh, yes. in, in route to that. But, um, yeah, no huddle. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do in Madden. I do like that a lot. Uh, hit running a no huddle offense to just keep pushing the ball downfield and, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, for that time period, that was, that was pretty unique. It, it was a, that high tempo stuff. I mean, that's two minute drill typically two minute drill, no huddle kind of just keep going, going, going. But uh, to do that throughout an entire game, it really does weird out a defense. It, it really does. And um, on December 21st, 1986, the final game of 1986 season, he set a, set a team record by throwing five touchdown passes as Cincinnati uh, beat the New York Jets 52 to 21 and also set a single team passing record as well with 3,959 yards, which is pretty huge back in 1986. It was the last game of the Bengals quarterback, Ken Anderson's playing career also. So he retired after, like I said, after the 86 season. Uh, the 87 season, they did not fare as well and found out that Boomer at one point requested a trade. So, really? I did not know that. Do you know I, where to? What happened? Just he wanted out. The team wasn't winning. They went on a long winning streak. Fans were booing them. Sam Weiss was getting a lot of crap. Like in 86, you see all what he was putting up. And they his comment was Sam Weish in 86 was considered coach of the year. Now the Bengals are considering firing him. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's him. I just want out, which they ended up not doing, but he wanted, he wanted out and it's not one of his best seasons either. So. Interesting. Yeah. So I was wondering why, because the Bengals were so wishy-washy. I mean, they kind of have been, for a long time, but they were very, very wishy-washy in the eighties and nineties. And it's one of those things where you kind of look at like what, what happened. Um, And obviously they had some internal turmoil, you know, with, with everything going on. Yeah. It, well, you figure it's a big changeover from one quarterback to another. So maybe that kind of laid into it a little bit play as well, but in 1988, they do bounce back. And that is the big Super Bowl year where we talked about them beating the Buffalo Bills in the AFC championship game to go on to Super Bowl 23. 
So that was kind of a huge thing right there. And this was the rematch of 49ers. So pretty much rematch. Paul Brown, still the owner. Rematch of the 49ers, Bengals type thing. Sam Weish going up against Bill Walsh, uh, head coach, guy that mentored Sam Weish. And it was pretty, was what? Jeez, 34 seconds left from a. Actually, was that Walsh or is that, that was Seaford, I thought. That was that Walsh. That is Walsh's last game. Okay. okay. He, he retired after this game. The blowout one against the Broncos is the first George Seifert one. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, so this was pretty big. And this one where Walsh breaks down, he cries. And Sam Weiss also knew in the Super Bowl that it was, they left them too much time. Right. Because he went to he went to Montana and, and or told his defensive coordinator blitz five because he knew the system and everything else. So they did not go back the following year. As just said, the Broncos ended up, but on October 29th, nineteen eighty eight, he tied his own record for touchdown passes in the game as they demolished the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which should not even be like a thing. That's like me beating up a five-year-old. That's nothing to brag about. <laughs> but they beat them 56 to 23 and the Bengals tied a team record with eight touchdowns of the game. And then in 1990, he threw for 149 yards in a single game in a 34 to 30 victory over the Los Angeles Rams. But in the nineties, it gets, once again, it gets turbulent because they kind of, in a way, did to Boomer what they did with um, Ken Anderson because they draft a quarterback in 1992 in the first round with the sixth pick and Dave Klinger. Dave Klingler. I've heard of Klingler a little bit. He didn't have a big run or anything, but I can kind of see. I'd imagine so. I would imagine so. <laughs> But, I mean, you hear these numbers and such in Boomer, his own career kind of up and his own career kind of up and down. I I get why, but I didn't realize his tenure was so short with them. Yeah, it's only from 84 until 1993 when he got traded to the Jets. Which what I as a kid not knowing things right now, I thought this was huge for the Jets because I was like, wow, they got they got Boomer. And I found out another story as well about the interesting pick where they kind of wanted Boomer not to succeed his first year because he was traded to the New York Jets for a third round pick and a conditional second round pick. This is kind of a nice little, I don't want to bring up bad memories, Carson Wentz condition here, but it's kind of funny that he needed to have for the Bengals to get the second round pick Boomer needed to have a passing rating higher than 80 than 89. So he had to have really, that was the stipulation. Okay. But the, I've never heard of that one before. The average at the time was 75.3 for a passer rating. Only four people in 1992 had a passer rating higher. This is a nice trivia question. Which is pretty cool. Had a, had a passer rating 89 or higher. 
And those quarterbacks were Steve Young. Yeah. Warren Moon. Understandable. Chris Miller. Huh? And Troy Aikman. Ugh. <laughs> Save the best for last for you. Thanks. Appreciate it. But he gets did. So it was kind of a weird situation. There, uh, he one of the other reasons why he got traded is because he gets reunited with his old offensive coordinator, Bruce Coslett. And what did the Bengals do with that third round pick, you ask? Because they never did get the conditional second. Uh, they got Steven Tolvert. So not too great. His this is where Boomer, this is where you're like, oh, Boomer is probably not that guy. He dealt with three different head coaches from his tenure from 93 to 95 in New York. Um, Bruce Coslett, P. P. Carroll, and Richie Kotite. Uh, pretty much the biggest thing is the hit that you put up for one of the plays of the day. Yeah, I didn't realize what that what that ended up being. Um, and now that I'm, I'm like reading about it and stuff, I'm like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, because um, he did go down. I tried to I cut the video short because I I mean I hate seeing players get hurt, but you know I, it's that's something I don't enjoy seeing. But I didn't realize the situation was that serious. Yeah, I don't. I think it's time what the Jets has summed up is it. It was the Jets. Right. It was the Jets. Oh, and his passer rating in 93 was 84.5. So he's got ah, okay. But that was pretty much it. He was released by the Jets, and he signed with the Cardinals in 1996. Didn't really do too much with the Cardinals. And this was kind of the cool thing. In 97, after contemplating retirement, he did re-sign with the Bengals and he replaced Jeff Blake. And I remember watching this game and this was like a young Corey Dillon at this point too, which is kind of cool, but he, he did like do really well Um, with the Siasen at the quarterback. They won four of their last five games and scored over 30 points four times twice. They broke 40 points. In a 42, or I'm sorry, in a 44 to 42 loss to the Eagles. Um, and yeah, they beat uh, tennis Oilers as well. Oh, that sounds so disgusting. Isn't it weird? Ugh. The Bengals wanted Boomer decides to come back for two more years, but and his final NFL play. I got to find this for a play of the day. 79 yard play action touchdown pass to Darnay Scott, but I'm going to send you on a YouTube hunt um, after this so you can find it. So it can be our play of the day Okay, tomorrow tomorrow, or well, when this episode releases, it'll be today, but at time of recording, it'll be tomorrow. Um, That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. What a way to go out, you know, Uh, you know, returning with Cincinnati, a team that, you know, didn't, I mean, I wouldn't, not going to say it ended well, but you know, it's always cool when these guys get to go back to, to where they started from and, 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 and do it, you know, finish up strong, give some, give some good memories to kind of go away with a lot of, a lot of guys don't get to do that. And obviously they didn't make the playoffs. The team was really behind um, and not doing so hot, but um, you know, I'm sure sentimentally, emotionally, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good, you know, it, I'm sure it felt good for a size to finish that way. Oh Yeah. 
to date. And then the other cool thing about it too is it's not just a one day contract. You retired as a like he. Played. That's what I thought it might have been when I seen that it was just one year at the end. But yeah, to, to play a full season, backing up, and then eventually kind of coming in and uh, and doing his thing. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So he a little bit of stuff here. Nineteen eighty-eight, uh, NFL Most Valuable Player, nineteen ninety-five Man of the Year, first team All-Pro in eighty-eight, uh, four-time Pro Bowler for eighty-six, eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and ninety-three. Five thousand two hundred and five passing attempts, uh, passing completions, two thousand. 969 a completion percentage lifetime of 57 percent and 247 touchdowns to 184 ints and passing yards 37,920 and a career passer rating of 81.1 and the other thing i gotta say what boomer did is I didn't know about it is kind of brought the world uh, to awareness and, you know, brought the world with awareness to cystic fibrosis, what this son Gunner has as well. He was diagnosed, I believe at two years old. So mm. that was, that, those are the two things that stand out is he has this, is his son with the cystic fibrosis. Cause that was always like the big thing there too. And I had to check. Uh, Gunner is doing wonderful. He is 30 years old. Oh, and good. He actually is. He he plays hockey. He says it's hard for him. It's like trying to play hockey while breathing through a you know play a sport while breathing through a straw. But he still does stay active. So. No, that's good to hear. Yeah, I've never really heard anything bad about Boomer Esiason either. Um. Um. You know, never hear any squabbles. Maybe. Uh, something here and there, but um, you know, largely, and I think he's a really great broadcaster um, or analyst analyst. He's not really, yeah. he's not really a commentator or anything like that, but he does. I think he does pre-show. Uh, I, I know I've been watching it for years. Sometimes the channel, the, it, the channels, they just all kind of blend in together. Wait, he's, on, he's on CBS though. Yes, it is CBS. Yep. Um so, so yeah, so he's, a, he's had a pretty solid career, made the most out of his playing years and uh, done pretty good. But no, he is not a Hall of Famer. Um, do you think I, I don't know, like statistically and looking at some things, I don't know if he's tr- really done enough to be a Hall of Famer, but he's Hall of very good, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that, like I said, I, I would probably put him in a tier three all time. I know this might sound bad. Even though Philip Rivers is probably, he's more of like a Philip Rivers of the time. Right. Where I don't think a lot of younger people will be like, oh, or like are very hung up on Boomer. Like, I, I, I hope not because his mic skills are amazing. Where I'm almost afraid that Philip Rivers is going to fade kind of like that because of the draft class that he's, right. that he's in. He, it, in a way, Philip Rivers is that third wheel like Kelly is for the 83 draft class. Yeah. Even though Kelly made four Super Bowls, you still, the two big ones in there are Montana, or no, I'm sorry, Elway and Marino. And then 2004, you got Manning and Roethlisberger. Right. 
which it could have easily have gone the other way with Rivers if those Chargers teams would have actually won a Super Bowl or two or got pretty far. <laughs> I just I think he's I think he's one of those guys that are just gonna kind of fade away or not a lot of people know or when you mention his name to somebody younger they're like who why would he be a boomer especially now with the whole boomer craze like why am i doing this and a lot of people just know him as an analyst yeah but hey i mean good more power to him it's a stick around football it's a pretty light easy schedule right you only have to work like four like four or five months out of the year plus whatever else you do that's not too shabby at all he also has his own radio show on the fan. That's right. That is right. That is right. We're, so, I mean, but still, he gets, to, he gets to be around football. You know, he gets to be around football for um, until he's ready to hang it up. So, you know, more power to him. But, um, but yeah, so that is Boomer Esiason. A little spotlight on uh, the left-handed wonder that is Boomer Esiason. Next week, we're going to be talking about a uh, – um, a guy that I probably I admire the same way that Andrew admires Boomer Esiason. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, Washington Redskins, and I think maybe one or two other team, but uh, Mark Brunel. Saints, Saints. Saints. Jets. Did he do the – oh, God, that poor guy. Um, <laughs> are, is every player we select this month going to have a stint with the Jets? Is that what we're going to do? No, 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 no. I already got my next one in mind. That's I, right. I feel like I'm saving the best for last. Right. <laughs> All right. Just make it sure. But, um, but yeah, so Mark Brunel is going to get our spotlight next week for left-handed quarterbacks. But uh, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good.